This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. My name is Kevin Sheehan, and I'm the children's pastor here at Res, which means that most Sunday mornings, I get to spend my morning chatting with our Res kids. And I don't see why today should be any different. So I got a question for the kids in the room. Do you have any Res kids? Raise your hand. I see a few. I've got a question that uh, the, the younger kids may have an easier time answering this, but the older ones may be able to remember. Do you have or have you had a toy or a blanket that you loved so much that it went with you everywhere or it goes with you everywhere? Or maybe you can't go to bed unless you have it with you. All right. Now, let me ask you another question. Have you ever had a time where you haven't been able to find it? Maybe it's bedtime and you don't know where you put it or, or your, your family's going on a trip and, and you think you might have left it at home. How did that make you feel? Maybe sad, really sad, maybe a little worried, scared. I got a question now for the parents, a follow-up question. How do you feel about losing this favorite toy or blanket? I think the words you're looking for are abject terror. We know how hard it is for a child to be without this, this favorite toy or blanket. I have a five-year-old nephew who, a couple months ago, he was in the back seat of his car, of their family's car. They were on a trip, and he had his favorite little polar bear. I think his name was Polar Bear. And, and, and he loves this little guy. He takes it with him everywhere. And Polar Bear needed some fresh air. And the window of the car was down. And so he held Polar Bear out to get some fresh air. And the wind of the highway blew it away. And Polar Bear went rolling down the road. And they couldn't find him. He was devastated. And I know this because this week he showed me his little photo album with all the pictures of him with Polar Bear and all of the good memories that they shared together. And it broke my heart. Instantly, everybody there around the, the li living room table started pulling out their phones to see if we could find another polar bear that was exactly the same with the big blue sparkly eyes. And, and his dad assured us he'd already tried. He had scoured eBay and Amazon, and he'd signed up with a buyer's account at a plush manufacturer's website so he could see their inventory. Couldn't find a duplicate polar bear. He found one that was close. And, and he tried to give it to my nephew, and, his, and he said, thanks, Dad. Maybe he can help us find his brother. What, what he's experiencing is grief. It really is grief. Grief is this presence in all of our lives. It doesn't discriminate based on age or, or nationality or ethnicity. As we grow older, the kinds of things we grieve may change, and the way that we grieve may change, but, but grief continues in our life. And I, I think 2020 has been, for many of us, a particular year of grief. I want to invite you to think for a moment. Is there something that you're grieving about this year? Maybe you have a collective grief in mind, the effects of the pandemic, the effects of racism in our society, senseless violence, politics. Or maybe you've experienced a personal grief. 
you've lost someone dear to you. That graduation that you thought would happen that didn't happen the way you wanted it to, or the family event that you'd hoped to have, or some of our kids and teenagers, you haven't seen some of your best friends barely at all this year. When we're grieving, there are a few responses that, that, that come up in us. One, one way that we respond to grief is sometimes we shut down. When it's too heavy and we can't find a way forward, we give in to despair. The other thing that can happen is, is because we want to avoid the despair, we pursue distraction. And, and for some of us, 2020 has been a year of distraction, social media, streaming video, hobbies, anything we can do to keep our minds off of the grief. And for some of us, these, these have been benign distractions. Some distractions have been destructive, have been addictive. And, and what we end up doing is we kick the can of our grief further down the road, but we don't deal with it. When a person is grieving, do you know what we really need? We need consolation. Consolation is not always a change in our circumstances. It often doesn't restore what was lost, but it gives us a way through. Consolation is a person coming alongside us, shouldering our burden, advocating for us. It's the mother holding her distraught child and singing a lullaby. It's the friend who sits across the living room and just sits with us in our grief. On the tail end of 2020, some of us are still waiting for consolation. We're waiting for consolation from the Lord, and it, and it feels so wrong because it's Christmas time, right? Waiting is for Advent, and Advent is over, and, and, and now it's Christmas. It's supposed to be joy. It's supposed to be peace, and yet here we are still looking for our consolation. If this is how you feel a few days after Christmas, if you're experiencing grief today, you're in good company. Our gospel passage it's about two people who found their consolation about six weeks after Christmas. So I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Uh, you, there, if you don't have a Bible with you, there, there's one under your seat if you're in the sanctuary. And here we have two people who, who, who have experienced some grief in their life. Uh, for some context, Mary and Joseph— uh, have, have just had their baby Jesus, and they're, they're a Jewish family, and so they're, they're doing what the law of Moses calls them to do. When they have a baby, uh, for about six weeks after the baby is born, they're, they're bringing him to the temple for the purification rites and the sacrifices associated with having a baby. And, and while they're there, there's a man named Simeon. And the Bible tells us that Simeon was a righteous and a devout man. And he is dealing with a collective grief. It says that he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. He sees his people, and he sees the promises of God that he made to them in his covenant with them, and he sees the way things are where, where they're an occupied nation being ruled by unjust leaders. And God had promised them a forever king who would rule with justice, and that was not what Simeon was seeing. And he's waiting for God to come through and to console his people. He has a collective grief. Then we have Anna. 
And Anna was no doubt grieving some of the same things that Simeon was grieving. But the passage directs us to notice a different kind of grief for her. She's experienced some very personal grief. She was married a long time ago, married for seven years, and then her husband passed away. And in this time and place, as if it weren't bad enough that she lost her companion, at this time, there wasn't a lot she could have done to provide for herself or her family. She couldn't just go and get a job. When she lost her husband, she lost not only her companionship, but her sense of financial security. She lost probably something of her station in society. And she remained, un- remained unmarried for 60 years, probably. It says that she's 84. And she remained unmarried since the time that her husband had died, for decades. Both Simeon and Anna have a reason to grieve. And what strikes me is that in Luke chapter 2, neither of them have a breakthrough in their circumstances. Israel is no less occupied at the end of Luke 2 than it was at the beginning. Anna was no less a widow at the end of Luke 2 than she was at the beginning. And yet, somehow, Simeon goes from saying, from waiting for the consolation of Israel to being able to say, now I can go in peace. Anna is able to give thanksgiving to God. What happened? The easy answer would be to say, Christmas happened. Jesus came. I'm a children's pastor. I know how this works. If somebody asks you a question in Sunday school, what's the answer? Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer. It would be really easy to just run there. But let's slow down. Because I want to think about this. Think about the night that Jesus was born. Did Simeon find his consolation that night? Did Anna find her consolation that night six weeks ago? Chances are the day after Jesus was born, the day after the hope of Israel had come, Simeon was still on his knees saying, Lord, when are you going to deliver us? When are you going to send the salvation that you had promised? His consolation didn't come until six weeks later when God gave him the eyes to see his salvation in this baby that he was holding in his arms. I don't know what Simeon expected to see in answer to his prayer. It probably involved soldiers and a a, a triumphant king and a victory march, but God did a miracle. God enabled Simeon to recognize in his arms that this child was not just an ordinary baby. This child was the hope that he had been longing for, the glory of Israel, the light for the Gentiles who had come into the world and shouldered our grief, who entered so deeply into our grief that he was called a man of sorrows. The consolation didn't come at the manger. It came at the temple. For Simeon. I want to give an example that might help our kids. Uh, kids, you've been really good and really quiet today. I give you permission when I count to three to shout out an answer to something I'm going to ask, okay? So if we have kids in the room, get ready. What is your favorite part about Christmas? One, two, three. I heard a pretty resounding presence. 
what is our favorite part about the presents, though? When the presents are under the tree, right? They're still for us. They're there. We, we know we're going to get them. But that's not when we experience the joy. The joy doesn't happen when the presents are under the tree. The joy happens on Christmas morning. When we find out what's inside, that's when the joy comes. That's when the consolation, so to speak, comes. The historical event of Jesus' birth was the answer to Simeon's prayer. It was the gift under the tree. But he didn't know it yet. He hadn't opened it yet. He hadn't seen it yet. His consolation came when God brought this historic event into his present experience. His consolation came when he encountered Jesus. We live with the same tension that Simeon had. We know that Christmas is the ultimate act of God's consolation. He came and became one of us. He entered into our pain and grief and sits alongside us and is with us. We know this. We know what Christmas is supposed to mean. And, and we know that Jesus will make all things right. We know he, he's going to come back and he's going to destroy injustice and he's going to establish his just rule and the world will be restored. The promises to Israel will be completely fulfilled. We know that there is this fulfillment coming. But in the meantime... We grieve. How do we find consolation in Jesus now? We find it the same way Simeon did. It happens when we encounter the Jesus who came at Christmas. The same miracle that God did for Simeon, God can do for us. He can bring the historical event of Jesus' birth into our present experience. The same Jesus who, who entered into the grief of humanity as a collective can enter into our grief, our individual pain that we experience today. It's not going to be, if, if we're, if we're going to find consolation in this life, I'm convinced it's not going to happen because of a change in our circumstances. I'm sorry, folks. I don't want to be a downer. I know 2021 is, our, is, is almost here. I don't think 2021 is going to fix all of our problems. If we're going to find lasting consolation, it's not going to be from something that happens to us. It's going to be from someone. It's going to be from an encounter with Jesus. And, and many of us have had an encounter like that, right? Many of us have had this sort of conversion experience where we laid ourselves bare before the Lord and we confessed our sins and we received his forgiveness and we received the consolation of being brought into his family. And so often we want to get back there to that event that happened in the past. But I have some good news for you. Just as a good friend, when we're grieving, doesn't console us once and then leave us, Right? A good friend continues to walk with us, to console us, to send an encouraging text message to visit in our grief. So also, Jesus' consolation is an ongoing gift. Jesus is that good friend who doesn't just console us and move on. He's always ready 
to reveal himself to us, to sit with us, to be with us. Jesus wants to be with you today, to reveal himself to you today. We are so confident of this. As Anglicans, we're so confident of this that we have written Simeon's prayer where he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. We've actually put that into our daily evening prayer liturgy. Every day, Christians around the world say with Simeon, my eyes have seen your salvation. Because we believe that the presence of Jesus isn't just for that one time when we received him. It's not just for 2,000 years ago at, at Christmas. It's for us today. He's always ready to work. And what we are asking God for is the eyes to see it. But how does that happen? In our daily lives, how, how do we come to recognize the presence of Jesus? How can we be at the right place at the right time, like Simeon and Anna were? I think we have some lessons to learn from them. I found two lessons I want to share with you, and I've summarized them in two words each. The first is, we need to pay attention. And the second is, we need to stay close. Let's talk about the first one, pay attention. How did Simeon end up at the right place at the right time to see Jesus? He was led by the Spirit, right? And that same Spirit, this is amazing, that same Spirit that led Simeon into an encounter with Jesus wants to lead you and me into an encounter with Jesus. But here's the problem. So often, instead of taking the road of consolation that the Spirit wants to give us, we choose the path of distraction. This is really hard. It's hard to give God our, our money. It's really hard to give God our time. I'd say for me, it's hardest of all to give God my attention. We live in an age of constant distraction. And so sometimes I think Jesus is ready there with his consolation for us. And we're just too distracted to notice it. The Holy Spirit wants to bring us into the presence of Jesus. But I think sometimes we need to kind of rewire ourselves. And, and I want to share with you an exercise that has been helpful for me. I learned it from Deacon Val, who learned it from Ignatius of Loyola. This is a simplified version. If you want the full, uh, the full exercise, you can sign up for Transformation Intensive next time we offer it. But this is a very simple exercise you can do at home. At the end of your day, find a way to quiet yourself, maybe before you go to bed. Close your eyes and start by asking the Holy Spirit to, to guide your, your, your thoughts and reflections about your day. Ask him to bring things to your attention that you need to pay attention to. Pay attention to what you've observed, to how you felt. And then ask this question, where did God show up today? Where did I experience the presence of God today? He's always there. Where did I experience it? It might be something simple, like something beautiful that drew you into worship. It might be a passage of scripture that spoke to you or a friend who called you and, 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 and ministered the love of Jesus to you in that way. And I, I found that at first it was very difficult to notice these things. But over time, I began to train myself to pay attention 
to the ways in which God was there and, and revealing himself to me and showing me his love for me. This is something that we can do to pay attention to the consolation from the Lord so when it comes, we're ready to recognize it. So we need to pay attention. We also need to stay close. One of the unexpected blessings of this pandemic season has been that our family finally got a cat. And uh, his name is Orangey. I'll let you guess what color Orangey is. Uh, Orangey was raised as an outdoor cat uh, when, uh, uh, until we got him, and, and he is a saint. Well, not actually a saint. He has the patience of a saint, and he's great with our girls. But he has retained his love for the outdoors. And so despite our best efforts to make him a house cat, he, he will harass us until we let him outside. And especially when the weather was nice, he'd, he'd want to spend the whole night roaming the neighborhood and probably terrorizing the local wildlife. And then every morning, Evelyn would go outside and she'd open the back door and she would yell at the top of her lungs, Orangey! So loud that our neighbors across the street have informed us that they can hear it. And, and he didn't always come right away, but within about five minutes or so, never failed, Orangey would come bounding up and into the house. And at first I was really impressed about this, that he, that he could always hear her voice. And then I realized, Orangey has a domain. He has an area that he roams. And it's roughly an earshot of our house. He stays close to the place where someone loves him and cares for him and feeds him. How did Anna end up at the right place at the right time? She stayed near the place where, God expe- where she expected God to show up. She stayed near the place where she encountered the living God. She stayed, cl- and I'm not just talking about the temple, not just a place. She stayed near to God by prayer, by fasting, by worship. And so when the day came that she was to meet Jesus, she was there and she was ready. Friends, I know 2020 is almost over, but we still have winter ahead of us. And it might be a rough season. And I want to ask you, how might God be inviting you to stay close to him in this season? It may be that he's calling you into a deeper life of personal prayer or a deeper connection to your res group or perhaps your, your, your Sunday morning worship. I know it's been difficult to, to get up to tune into a live stream service or even to come in person with all of the COVID restrictions, but I want to invite you to stay close to the place where you can expect God to show up. Now, I want to be clear about something. Paying attention for Jesus' consolation, staying close to Jesus, these things don't mean that we're not going to experience grief. I don't want to say that somehow if you're experiencing grief, it's because you haven't paid close enough attention or you haven't been working hard enough, you haven't been staying close enough to Jesus. That's, that's not what I want to say. What I do want to say is this. My prayer is that as we pay attention to God's presence in our life, we'll find that as we go through those seasons of grief, he's with us. 
I want to say that more strongly. He is with you. I want to invite you to become aware of that, to receive that gift, to open that present. Our salvation has come. Christmas is here. My prayer is that God will open our eyes to see that salvation. I want to take a moment to pray about that right now. I invite you to close your eyes, whether you're here or on the live stream. Bring to your mind that when I asked the question at the beginning, what's been grieving you this year? What's grieving you right now? I want to invite you to bring that to the Lord. Name it. Out loud or in your heart. Lord, we need your consolation. Jesus, we need your help today. I pray if there's anyone here or at home who is wrestling with a profound season of grief, Lord, I pray that you would meet them there. Even if there's somebody who needs some kind of, some kind of tangible evidence of your presence with them, Lord, I ask that you would give that to them in some way. Jesus, we know that you're with us. Open our eyes to see your salvation. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.